And today's scripture reading is coming from John, chapter 20, verses 1 to 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Madeline went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciples outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in, and the strips of linen laying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still laying in this place, separated from the linen. Finally, the other disciples who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it, who is it that you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he has said these things to her. This is the word of the Lord. morning. Happy Easter. There's an event that takes place in Manhattan every Easter Sunday. It goes way back to the 1800s, and it's called the Easter Parade, the New York City Easter Parade. Uh, But unlike other parades in our city, at the Easter Parade, there are no floats, there are no marching bands, no one is riding on a horse, they don't have the big balloons in the sky. The, the Easter Parade, really all it is is they shut down Fifth Avenue in Midtown so that if you want to, you can go walk there. All right, it's more of an Easter walk, really, than a parade. But a number of years ago, there was a tourist in, uh, in New York on Easter weekend, and he heard there was going to be a parade, and he got so excited. I get to see a parade. So he, he got up early Easter, Easter Sunday. He left his hotel room. He went to Midtown, and he started looking for the parade, and he couldn't find it. There's no parade going on. And so he started listening for the marching bands, couldn't hear any music, started looking for the, the balloons. He couldn't see anything. Um, he couldn't find a parade. But he noticed that there were a bunch of people all walking down the same street in the same direction. So he figured they must be going to the parade. So he just 
got in line with the people and started walking with them. And they went one block, no parade, two blocks, no parade, three blocks. They just kept walking. And they never, they never came to anything that to this man looked like a parade. So finally, he turned to someone who was walking near him and he said, Sir, can you help me, please? Can you, can you tell me, where is the Easter parade? And the man just laughed and he said, Where's the Easter parade? You're in it. You're in it. So this, uh, this, this man, he was right in the middle of Easter, right in the middle of all the festivities, and he had no idea. And that's kind of the way that Mary was in today's passage. Mary, Mary was right in the middle of the first Easter. I mean, she was the, one of the first people to discover the empty tomb. She's the first person to see the angels she was the first person to speak with the risen Christ. So she's right in the middle of all the action. And yet, if you'll notice in the passage, until verse 16, she has no idea. She has no, no, there, there's, there's no uh, power of the resurrection for her. And so a question that readers for years have, have asked as they, as they look at this narrative is how could that happen? Why, why, why could Mary not recognize the reality of the resurrection? And what I want to do is suggest a, a couple of possible reasons for this. One, one reason may have just been her unbelief, that it was hard to believe. And, and a lot of people can relate to that. Many people say, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. So, some people today, today would say, I'm not sure I can believe unless I could just get some more evidence. Now, Mary had a lot of evidence. She saw the empty tomb. She saw the folded grave clothes. She saw not just one, but two angels. And, and then she actually saw Jesus himself. And, and yet, here, here's what's so fascinating. Even though Christ had told his followers again and again, he told them that he would die, and three days later he would rise again, she still couldn't believe it. She was just convinced someone had stolen the body. And of course, Mary... Mary was not alone in this. She was not alone in her unbelief. In fact, the, the reason that Mary had to go tell the other disciples that the tomb was empty is because none of them had even bothered to go there, which is astonishing if you think about it. These were, these were people who had heard Jesus with his own lips tell them time after time, after three days I will rise, after three days I will rise, after three days I will rise. They didn't even have enough faith or even enough curiosity to go see if it had happened. Now, now, why is this? Well, because they didn't, they didn't expect it to happen. So they didn't believe that Christ could or would keep his word. So you'll find this. In all four Gospels, um, the initial response of all the disciples to the news of the resurrection was one of, of unbelief. And that maybe, um, maybe that describes you today. You just... You just you, you wish it were true, you'd like it to be true, but it's just so hard to believe that Christ really rose fr from the dead. If, if that's the case, um, and by the way, that's not an easy place to be. I really have just sympathy for you if, if, if that's the case. But if that's the case, you're struggling with doubts today. There are a couple of things in this passage that you might find helpful. And, and the, the first is the, the very fact that the disciples did not believe. The, the initial unbelief of the disciples actually, weirdly, it makes, it makes belief in the resurrection easier for us today. Let me, let me explain. So, skeptics will tell you that the resurrection is a myth. It's a myth that was invented by early Christians to bolster their belief that Jesus was the Messiah. 
They believed he was the Messiah, then he was killed, and, and then they, they said, well, he rose from the dead. The, 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 problem, the problem with that statement is it doesn't fit with what we know about history. Historians will tell you that first century Jews were not expecting a Messiah who would die and rise again. You see that in verse 9. It says they still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. These were, these were people who had grown up being taught Scripture their whole life, and no rabbi had ever told them the Messiah will die and then rise again. They had no, the, 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 so the idea that the disciples invented this story of Jesus rising so they could go convince people he's the Messiah, it just it, it doesn't fit with what we know about what was going on historically at the time. These were, these were people, these were, the disciples were people who did not expect the Messiah to rise. They lived in a culture where no one expected the Messiah to rise. They, they, eventually, proclaiming the, the resurrection cost many of them their lives, and yet, from that moment on, they never stopped telling the world, he's risen, he's risen, he's risen. So, um, what happened historically doesn't make sense unless it really happened. I mean, it's the most logical explanation. So if you're, if you're struggling with doubts, a lot of people do. Um, the, the disciples' initial skepticism might actually help you. Just so it makes it easier to believe today. Now, another, another thing in this passage that is helpful for those to doubt is, is to notice, and we all ought to notice, notice the way that Jesus responds to the disciples' unbelief. As I said, um, the, the disciples had heard Jesus say again and again, I'm going to rise, I'm going to rise, I'm going to rise. They didn't even bother to go to the tomb. They had no expectation that Christ would keep his word. And look at the passage. What did Jesus send Mary to go tell them? Verse 17. Go tell those bums that I'm sick of them. They don't believe in me. They're doubters. I have no room for doubters in my movement. I'm, I'm done with them. I want nothing to do. That's not what he said. Verse 17, he said, go to my brothers. Go to my brothers. Tell them I'm ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your, your God. So basically, Jesus says to Mary, would you please go tell them? I know they're struggling. I know they're doubting. I know they're not believing. But you, would you please go tell them? They're still, they are still my brothers. They are still my brothers, and God is still their father. In other words, it's like he wants Mary to just communicate to them, listen, even though you're struggling with doubts, I want you to know, I want them to know I love them anyway. So, if on this Easter morning you are struggling with doubts, um, let me ask you a question. Do you know how Jesus feels about you, you doubter? You know how he feels about you? He loves you dearly loves you dearly. It's not easy to struggle with that. He, he, he empathizes with you in your struggle. He, he longs to help you with, with, with wrestling with your questions, and he longs to assure you of his love and his presence with you. And it, there's an interesting verse at the end of the, the book of Jude. This is some instructions for, for the church. It says, this is how we are to function as a church. It says, we are to be merciful to those who doubt. Now, church, just think about that. If we are to show mercy to those who doubt, do you think Jesus will not have compassion for them? Oh, my. If you're struggling today, just know this. He loves you. But to my point, 
One reason Mary may have found it hard just to, to really appreciate and recognize what was going on. One reason may have been her unbelief. The second reason may have been her sorrow. Some of you know what that feels like to, feel, to experience deep sorrow in your life. Maybe it's ongoing depression. Maybe it's, maybe it's a, a sense of overwhelming loss. Maybe it's loneliness. And you, if you do, you know that when you are going through a time of sorrow, it's not easy to feel and experience the presence and the power of God. You come to church and everyone else is singing and, and, and they tell you you should be smiling, you should be happy, and it's just, it, it's not that you don't believe, it's just that your, your heart is so crushed. It's hard to experience that. And, and Mary, this, this is also something Mary is going through here. She's just overwhelmed with sorrow. There's, there are four, four places in this passage where we are told that Mary is, is crying. Twice in verse 11, once in verse 13, once again in verse 15, she's crying, she's crying, she's crying, she's crying. And, and the, the word that's translated crying there, this does not mean sniffling, all right? This means wailing. She's bawling her eyes out. She's weeping. She's lamenting. She's overwhelmed with grief. In fact, some people think, there's no way that we could know for sure, but some people think that the reason in verse 15 that Mary thought she couldn't recognize Jesus, she thought he was a gardener. Some people think maybe the reason is because there's just so many tears in her eyes, she can't even see clearly. She's overwhelmed with grief. And that it may be, again, that that describes you today. Maybe your heart has been broken this last year. Maybe uh, your, your dreams for your life or for your family are, are unfulfilled. Maybe you are mourning the, the death of someone you love. Even this last year, last, last Easter, you called them. You said, he is, he is risen. You heard their, heard their voice say, he is risen indeed. Oh, how you long to hear their voice this Easter, but you can't, right? Maybe, maybe today you're just, you're, you're feeling that, that kind of sorrow. Your heart is breaking. Again, if, if that describes you today, there's something in this passage I think you will find helpful, and that's this. Would you notice here, notice what Jesus says to Mary. Verse 15, he says, woman, why are you crying? Now, in the Gospel of John, these are the first recorded words of Jesus after he rises from the dead. What are the first recorded words of Jesus after he rises from the dead? I did it! I conquered death! I'm the, I am the king of the world! No! Isn't this something? In the Gospel of John, the first recorded words of Jesus after his resurrection is an expression of concern for one of his followers who is hurting. It's like the first thing he wants to talk about. The first thing he wants to talk about is her sorrow. Woman, why are you crying? What is, listen, let me ask you, what does that reveal to us about our Lord? Oh my, it shows us he really, really, really cares about our sorrow, doesn't he? Psalm 103 says this, as a father shows compassion for his children, so the Lord shows compassion for those who fear him. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 describes God as the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. That's the kind of comfort and compassion Christ is showing to Mary. So the first thing he says to her is, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? He shows concern for her sorrow. And then the next thing he does, he calls her name. 
Verse, verse uh, 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. There's so many questions. Nobody's sure why, why was that the turning point of the whole narrative? What, what, what was it about his pronouncing her name that just changed everything for her? We're not sure, but we know this. He called her by name, and this, I think this is worth noting. Listen, church, for Jesus, hurting people, people who are hurting, for Jesus, hurting people are never just a problem to be solved or a project to be accomplished. No, if you are hurting, he cares about you personally. Isn't that something? John, John chapter 10, Jesus describes himself as, as a shepherd who calls each one of his sheep by name. He said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. So believer in Christ, isn't it something? He knows your name. He knows everything about you. He, 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 he knows he knows things about you nobody else understands. And he cares about you personally. The, the, the Bible assures us that um, no matter what sorrow we are wrestling with or what disappointments we've had to face in life, no matter, no matter how, how we're feeling uh, grief or sorrow, the Bible tells us that in Christ, for those who have trusted in Christ, one day Christ will come back and he will restore all things. Those, those who've died in Christ will raise, be raised just as he has risen. And Revelation chapter 21, I don't know what this will look like, but I can't wait for it. Revelation 21 says that when that day comes, Christian, he will wipe every tear from our eyes. Every tear. So the question this narrative just suggests, we ask the kind of the mystery of this. Why? How could it be that Mary's right there? She's right there at the center of everything. She's right there on Easter Sunday, right there where there's the empty tomb and the angels and Jesus. How can, it's almost like she's, as it were, she's right there marching in the parade. And she can't see it. Well, that happens to us sometimes too, doesn't it? We're right here on Easter Sunday, we're just not seeing it. We don't know why it was for Mary. I don't know why it might be for any of us. It may be unbelief. Maybe, uh, maybe sorrow. Whatever the cause, uh, the thing to just remember about this passage, whatever it whatever was it caused this in Mary, this kind of blindness to what was going on, would you please notice this? Jesus did not give up on her, right? He, he made himself known to her. And my, my prayer this Easter Sunday for, for you, if you're struggling with doubts, if you're struggling with sorrow, if you're struggling with shame, whatever it might be, my prayer for you this Easter is that he'd call your name, that he would, he would make his love known to you in fresh ways again this day. So can we make that our prayer? Would you pray with me? Lord, Lord we pray that this Easter, um, we've heard it many times already this morning, he's risen. <laughs> but I pray we'd hear it again deeply. That, that each person here, no matter where we are, what we're facing today, that we would realize that there is a Savior who loves us and whose resurrection from the dead opens a door for us to know the fullness of life. I, I pray that you would give us grace and faith to enter through that door, to rejoice in the life that is ours in Christ. And we pray this for his glory. Amen.